Stern Pinball's Mandalorian has been fully revealed. Playfield issues continue to plague Jersey Jack Pinball owners. And we'll also talk about upcoming pinball tournaments. All that right now on A Pinball Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of A Pinball Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. I greatly do appreciate it, whether you're listening in your car, taking a run, about to play pinball, or you're just wasting time. Thank you guys so much for stopping in and uh, hanging out. So let's just get right into it. And I want to talk about first, before anything else, I want to talk about this video that came out on Stern Pinball's YouTube page. And that video is the making of Avengers Infinity Quest. Now, if you guys haven't been paying attention, usually after every game, several months down the line, Stern Pinball typically will release a video that's the making of that particular game. And I love the way that these videos are constructed. I love the fact that we get to hear from the designer, we get to sometimes hear from the coder, we get to hear from the artist, and we get a little bit of the behind the scenes thinking of this game. And some of these videos, are legitimately, and I won't say some of these, I pretty much all of them are the most well-produced videos that Stern Pinball is able to put out. Now, I didn't get the name, uh, it's on there somewhere, but I know they've obviously outsourced this to another videographer. I just have to make that assumption. I think it's on the credits right after the making of, and these videos, again, are great. But what I truly believe, and what I don't understand, is why is this type of video not front and center before games ship? Because keep this in mind, the trailer for Avengers Infinity Quest was nine months ago. Nine. That's a while back. There's already been two game releases since then with Led Zeppelin and now with Mandalorian. And yet this video is so solid that I wonder why it is not along with the week of whatever release that they're doing. Meaning, as soon as they release a trailer, I would like to see within 24 to 72 hours, something very similar to this. And I feel like these are such well-produced videos that I often wonder why can't something like this be along with the trailer to where it's a little bit more well-produced with transitions, with B-roll, with highlighting different parts of the game a little bit better. And I just, I really wonder why that isn't. now. Obviously, Stern fully excels at the PR game. They fully excel at it, and they get it out to many different news outlets better than the rest of the pinball industry combined. And we're also noticing that there is a severe shortage of games right now due to demand, and that could be due to a couple of things. It, one, it's obvious that Stern's manufacturing capability, as great as it is, it cannot meet demand currently, which is insane. And two, it's obvious that there's way too many distributors right now, which pretty much dilutes the product across the line to where a lot of these companies cannot, and when I say companies, I'm talking about distributors, they cannot get enough games to fulfill the demand that they have just because there's so many different games that are promised to all kinds of different distributors around the world. So that's another reason that why the, this is potentially happening, that there's a lot of people that just cannot fulfill orders and not every consumer knows about every single distributor available in America or in the world. So that's typical product 101 across the board with any dealing with any manufacturing issues or any distributor. Cause I've had to go through the same thing in my real life job in the past. I've had to deal with that for several years. It happens. It happens. And this is just one of the first times that I've really noticed this happening with pinball. So it's a unique situation in that form. 
But coming back to the video, I really would like to see them put in this type of effort the week of a video. And again, I don't know whether or not they necessarily need to because of the reasons I just stated in terms of product availability and how much the consumers are demanding it anyways. But I just feel like having a well-produced video in front of a full gameplay reveal, nearly as if they would do this type of video of the gameplay reveal, where it's very controlled to where you have some of the best pinball players in the entire world under your banner. They, they work there. You could get some excellent shots. You could get some excellent footage. You could produce a video that lasts no more than eight to 12 minutes that shows a game that highlights all the great parts of the game. And there's no filler space. There's no empty space. Your content is great. It's excellent. And I think that alone would increase sales even more across the board on all games. It's right there. And this is legitimately a few hundred thousand to a couple of million dollar decision in terms of the amount of product, because there's a lot of people that search out these videos and you can even see on any of the trailers that Stern releases, how big the views are. And a lot of that is because they have that advertising blitz of all that PR. They get a lot of eyeballs on it. So why not take advantage of that and release these types of videos that week? Why not do that? Because I feel like that would just make these products just pop even more. Now, that being said, if you're not Stern, you're somebody else. This is a wide open advantage or an opportunity that, that you can take advantage of. It's staring everybody right there. Stern has shown the formula and they've shown what works on their end, but they've shown the formula of what would absolutely work for every other manufacturer. If I owned a pinball company, I'd be going to my team right now and I would be saying, this is exactly how we're gonna do it. We're gonna cover it on the PR standpoint. We're gonna come out with a killer release video. We're gonna come out with all the information right then and there that week, all the questions will be answered simply because you're at the height of your popularity at that point, the height of awareness at that point of that game, because nobody has seen anything bad yet. All we have to go off of is a trailer. And when you can start your gameplay, you can explain your rules in a way that makes sense to the viewer, that will just help even more. And I feel like Mandalorian could have done excellent with that. Now, obviously there's a bunch of games that are gonna go up, go up they're going to go out anyways. But when you take somebody like Dwight that is very excited and rightfully so of the product that they've helped put out and they've helped create, why not give him the opportunity to sit in front of a camera and explain everything out to where you can edit that bad boy down to highlight all the great parts. And it makes Dwight's work stand out. It makes his words stand out and it makes the game stand out even more because you can still do the dead flip reveal. You could still do that a couple of weeks down the line. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to hand off that content over, that's perfectly fine. But we're talking about a whole different type of content that I really do think would help. I think it would help us as a consumer understand what is going on a little bit better. It would answer a lot of questions that we might have, and it would still allow for some intrigue to happen because you're controlling the content that goes out. You're controlling the messaging and you're able to show it in ways that you you can highlight the great stuff. And I just feel like that would just be an excellent way to go. All right, so let's just segue directly into the Mandalorian pinball reveal on Dead Flip's channel. Now, you can find these videos, both the premium and the pro on his YouTube page. And I'll have the links down below in the comments on the YouTube video. But these, these videos, they did give us a lot of information in terms of how this game is gonna play in particular. And I released a video last week discussing that a little bit. And I went back and forth on how I felt about this game for so long because I love the theme. 
greatly. The theme touches all, all the right, it checks all the boxes for me in terms of what it means to me as a theme. But I can also take a step back and kind of look at it from a whole 360 degree position or whatever you want to call it. I can just see the whole thing for what it is. And for me, I think that the code looks really good up front. I really do. I like the light show as well. Obviously, everybody's going to say they're going to compare it to GNR. But look, we the fact is GNR's light show is the best light show ever in the history of pinball. Right? So everything is going to naturally just go to comparing it to that. But you know what? If something is the second best light show ever in pinball or the third best in pinball when we have hundreds of different options, that's not so bad either. So let's just get it let's just get it straight right now. It's still an excellent light show. And so I really do like the Mandalorian light show. I think Dwight has done a great job on that just seeing how different shots are hit and seeing how the game responds to that. I think that those things are really going well together. It was noticeable on the Pro that the assets were so much better compared to the premium. And again, this goes, this harkens back, you know, to putting out your best foot forward and putting out the best content you possibly can because we all came away from that premium stream, the very first dead flip stream, wondering where was the callouts, thinking Carl Weathers kind of seemed robotic, wondering if there was anything else. And this was a genuine concern from multiple people. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you because I was one of them that I decided to hold off on my order simply because of that. Because I'm like, it's not what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't like Star Wars where they had a bunch of callouts already in it, already baked into it. And so I held back because of that. And I know of legitimately over a dozen people that did not buy because of that. And now the game hasn't even shipped yet. Now it probably has shipped now, but the game hadn't shipped yet during the pro reveal as far as I know. And now all of a sudden there's a bunch of voices in it that were added into it. And now all of a sudden that's, that's an excellent thing. That's great. That is great. Except now there's a bunch of us that didn't order a pin that because of that. And now all of a sudden, if somebody hasn't watched that yet, they don't, they still don't even know what's in there. They don't know. They don't know unless they watch that game specifically, or they listen to this podcast or they listen to somebody else's podcast, or they go on pin side and they might read something on a message board. Other than that, they do not know. And that's bad because that is a lot of cells. That's, that's a dozen people right there that might not know. So that kind of just goes back to putting your best foot forward, which I am glad to hear that there is assets in there that have the voices that it, it just makes the game feel so much more full. It feels like it's an excellent produced, the, the sound is great light show the videos great the animations they seem pretty good from what i've seen and so all that together it seems like it's creating a great package i do wish that this would have been their first foot forward i really do because there was and i'm one of them that i'm a huge star wars fan and i'm just like okay it's it's doesn't have what i thought it would have and then combining it with the shots which i'm going to talk about here in just a few those things combined together made it to where i decided i was going to pass on this and I'm still kind of up in the air. I may go ahead and just last second, just try to get a pro in here just for a month so I could try it out so I could give you guys a hands-on review. I know we're getting one locally at the uh, local pinball arcade at Cactus Jacks here in Oklahoma City, and we're going to be able to try that out too. But I'd really like to get my hands on it in a home setting as well, just to see how it is. And so after watching 
all the shots that were that were hit on both the premium and the pro i honestly for me personally i thought i was going to like the premium better but i came out of that liking the pro better for a variety of reasons and there's two main reasons for that and i guess technically three if we want to count the magnet and just simply put i just don't feel like the magnet really matters all that much i it doesn't add anything to the game for me personally if it does for you excellent buy away magnet magnetize that baby have baby grogu or baby yoda just you know use the force and stop your ball the other two things though that I really decided I don't necessarily need, and I feel like this is actually better on the Pro, is I did not like seeing the ball fly off the habit trail on the Premium. And I saw that happen at least two times I can remember, maybe even three times, and there wasn't even that many games played on it during the reveal stream. And when I see that happening at such a major shot, that is concerning to me, and it's not something that I would necessarily really enjoy. Now, Obviously, with Avengers Infinity Quest, that happens sometimes, but it doesn't happen all the time. And it feels like watching Mandalorian, unless they make some engineering decisions that might change the wire form up a little bit, I feel like that this could actually be an issue nearly game to game, especially for people that are able to play this game for a long time. I feel like that this will be just a regular occurrence at this point. And so that's one reason why I'm thinking, well, maybe the plastics on the Pro the plastic ball returns might actually be better. They don't look as good. They'll get dirty very quickly. It won't look near as good as the premium or the LE. But at least I can rely on that ball to return back easily. But that being said, though, that's just on the scoop ramp. I did not see that happen on the left ramp. I did not see that happen on the helix ramp. So that's the, that's the takeaway. I don't believe that it will happen on either one of those ramps. That's just going to happen on that scoop ramp. And again, that scoop ramp is not on the pro. So therefore you don't have to worry about that return at all. So it's kind of like it's baked into the cake that you're just going to not have that shot in the pro at all. But what you are going to have on the pro is that horseshoe shot that I just, I don't like it at all. That was probably one of the most inconsistent shots I've ever seen on a modern pinball machine. You can crush that, crush that shot. And you don't know how it's going to return. You don't know if it's going to go to your flippers, a sling, the top of a post. You don't know if it's just going to rattle in there and just dribble back to a flipper. It's going to do a variety of things. And while that might be fun for some people, for me personally, I don't really get much fun out of that. I don't mind the chaos of multi-ball, but if I'm in single ball play, I don't want to be punished for hitting a shot the way that I was supposed to hit that shot. Like I get it. If there's a bash toy with a magnet in front, maybe it's going to be a little bit of a crazy return, like a Sparky on Metallica or something like that. Or even a Walking Dead at sometimes, you know, with that bash toy that's pretty close to the flipper. But I'm not so sure that this shot was intended this way. And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't listened to all of Brian Eddy's thoughts on his full layout and his design decisions. So maybe that was intended. It just kind of seemed like that would be a weird place to intend to create a chaotic moment in the pinball game. I don't know. It's just my thoughts. And the other thing is, is the mini play field. I feel like the upper play field doesn't really do much for me. I'm not a particular upper play field fan. Admittedly, I've said this before. And it's not so much that it won't be coded well. I'm sure Dwight will code it excellent. It seems like it's pretty cool with the accuracy and all that. I'm just not so sure that I really need something that one could potentially break down. Two is just going to move around and flip around and three, I don't know if I want to see those flippers 
just flipping around the whole time, especially when the play field's vertical. But again, I'm not sure though if the play if the flippers do flip while that play field's vertical and we're not currently playing on it. I need to look back at video, but I'm pretty sure I thought I seen them flipping. And I don't know if I want to see that all the time, if that's the case. But I do really enjoy the way the mini playfield is. I like the fact that there's just one flipper there. I like the fact that you can enter that with, it looks like a skill shot nearly. I like that sometimes a ball can sneak in there during multi-ball. And I like that it's just a different mechanic overall or different decision-making overall when you're just dealing with one flipper and you're having to skillfully nudge. I feel like there's actually more skill that could potentially be needed for that as opposed to just trapping up and maybe waiting to see if the play field goes down and if it doesn't you just kind of hit a backhand shot to make sure you stay controlled because of the pitch of the upper play field on the mini play field you don't get that opportunity it's going to stay static and so because of that you have to actually take some chances and that's just the way that i feel watching this now i'll find out whenever i actually get my hands on it but i just liked how it worked a little bit better and i really do feel like that pro is jam-packed i really do now the razor crest shot i'm not so sure about either we saw a lot of rattles there it looks like it has the potential to be a fun shot but i also feel like there was an extreme opportunity missed when i look at that razor crest ship which is the mandalorian ship that is right there with that little target just hanging down i really feel like that could have been a unique opportunity to have a ship there that could rotate or do something to where it lets the ramp down on the back end to let all the cargo in and that happens on the show a lot that's almost like you see it nearly every single episode and i really feel like that could have been something similar to like a williams fire or something like that to where that that back end to the cargo bay goes down and that acts as a ramp and that lets you get up into that center ramp and that could lock your ball or get a ball lock whatever you want to call it or just make a shot i really feel like that that would have been awesome to see and i wish that they could have done that i have to believe that they thought about that and that it just didn't work out for the bomb but just seeing that seeing a ramp that would retract being able to open up another orbit shot right there and something that most likely would not rattle either it probably wouldn't rattle if you actually had a ramp and you didn't have to worry about getting past that target and then traveling a little bit to the ramp i feel like that might have helped things along a little bit as well and it would have looked cool at the same time so i was a little bit disappointed not to see that not the end of the world, but it is a little bit of a concerning shot. And I think you, we will have some rattle continue from game to game with that shot in particular. The left ramp, I do like the left ramp. I think that that looks like that shoots smooth. I'm excited to shoot that shot. I was a little bit worried about the scoop in terms of where it's at. Is It'd be a little bit tricky, but you know, it seems like forehands are there. Backhands are definitely there all day long. I got no issues with that shot. I think that shot will be great. I love the idea of what happens when you hit that shot with the foundry. The RPG elements when you're buying certain things with your best car and certain power-ups, I think that is awesome. It will lead to a lot of interesting decision-making that I really look forward to, especially from a tournament perspective. When I have to figure out how to get so many points out of this game and figure out how to be very efficient with what I'm doing, I'm excited about that. And I think that will lead to a lot of excitement for homeowners as well. A lot of exploit. I can't pronounce that word. You could explore it a lot is what I'm trying to say. And I feel like that would be very cool as well. In the orbits overall, they seem like they hit pretty smooth. So I don't really have anything wrong with the orbits. The only thing that I am extremely worried about with this game, but I'm sure it can be coded in different ways, but I'm not so sure that it will be regardless. I, I don't know if it'll be fixed or not. And I don't, who knows? Maybe it doesn't even need fixing. So 
Again, I won't know until I actually get to play it. But I'm kind of concerned about one, obviously multi-balls are going to be easy to come by, just spamming the center ramp the whole time. But I'm also concerned that multipliers will be easy to come by as well because they're basically baked in to where you can get your first multiplier pretty quick just on the Boba Fett targets. And then of course you have other things along the way with I think it's encounters and it, the other part's slipping my mind. May, maybe ambushes or something like that. But I, I just wonder if that's going to lead to people just getting multipliers galore just by accident and not really by skill just because when you have a multi-ball going there's a little bit of chaos happening and that shot is right there on your right hand side and it to me that's going to be something easy that's going to be started unintentional a lot of times and i think we're going to see people's scores jump up a lot without them realizing how it happened i think the potential is there for something like that to occur so i'm interested to see how that plays out from just a casual standpoint. And I'm curious to see, that's why I'm gonna make sure to take my kids with me to go play this. And hopefully if we can get one here uh, to do the same thing, just to do some testing, just to say, okay, just go crazy on the pin, just flip away, just chimp flip your way. And let's see if you can get a multiplier and a high score out of it. I'm curious to see how that goes. But overall, I think the game looks excellent. Don't get it twisted just because I think that the rules in the light show are seem to be the stars of this over the actual layout doesn't mean that the layout's bad we got we got to we got to get that straight oftentimes people think if you have some critique of a layout that that automatically means it's bad no i think the layout is still pretty good and i'm still excited to flip it there's just a couple areas of concern and that's it's like that on most pens i mean even avengers i love avengers owen you've done a great job but even the captain marvel shot sometimes rejects you know, and that gets frustrating for me. And then other times it just shoots smooth. I've had to move it around a little bit and it's still a fun shot, but that just goes to show you not everything is perfect. And it doesn't mean necessarily, necessarily that it's a bad design. We just got to keep in mind that these pins are all crafted by hand. And sometimes you have, you have some things that you got to fix in it and you have adjustments that you got to make. And sometimes the shots just don't work the same way as they would work on the same make and same model somewhere else just how it is. So I'm curious to see how this goes with Mandalorian. I'm curious to get my hands on it. I'm curious to flip it. And I think it will be a fun pin overall. And I'm glad to see that Mandalorian is at least out in the public. All right. So moving forward to Jersey Jack Playfield issues. Now, if you've been living under a rock, which you probably haven't been, you're probably well aware of this. Now, I know that obviously the, the narrative going around right now, and I know Canada's talked about this a little bit, but the narrative going around right now is that nobody else is talking about this. And I just got to tell you guys, it's simply not true. Now I have the receipts to back this up. This is the same things guys that I talked about seven months ago, seven months ago, back on uh, October 23rd. I talked about it on November 3rd. I talked about it on November 10th. I've talked about all this already. We're on, I think number 56 or 57 episode for a pinball podcast. Right here, a pinball podcast, number 27, the GNR follow-up. In this episode of a pinball podcast, I talk about the fallout of the 26th episode, having different experiences in pinball and how that corresponds to how we perceive different pinball machines. We also discuss playfield issues briefly and manufacturing rollout from Jersey Jack pinball. A pinball podcast, number 28, let's talk playfield issues. In this episode of a pinball podcast, I talk about the reality that pinball consumers are facing when dealing with the playfield pulling issues from companies like Jersey Jack Pinball and Stern Pinball. 
And lastly, on November 10th, 2020, a pinball podcast number 29, Travel, Jersey Jack, GNR, Playfield Issues, and What Makes Pinball Fun. That was the title of that episode. In this episode of a pinball podcast, I discuss my recent travels to Solid State Pinball Supply and District 82, and I also discuss my thoughts on the ongoing saga of Jersey Jack Pinball's Guns N' Roses Playfield issues that continue to crop up. And that was back November 10th, 2020. Several months ago already. So, I just want to dispel this myth that nobody else is talking about this issue because I've talked about it already, guys. And I know I've gotten a few emails about it asking what my thoughts are on it, asking why I haven't really talked about it too much now. And it's simply because I've talked about it already. And I agree. It's horrible. It sucks. As a consumer, it's not fun. It's happened to me. I'm part of that. I'm part of that group. It's happened to me. But legitimately, everything that I talked about several months ago is playing out nearly identical to that right now. To where I predicted and I said, hey, these are the issues that are happening. These are the issues that are going to keep happening that the consumer has to realize it's not going to change. It's not. Pinball is so big, guys. If we just talk, we can all try to vote with our wallets as much as we want to. We could try, but that train's already left the station. What is Jersey Jack really going to do about this? That's the question. And I don't think replacing playfields, while that is the sexy answer to give, and while I wish I could say, hey, this is what they should do, I got to live in reality. And the reality is, is they are in the money-making business. And the reality is there's so much money put into the Guns N' Roses product already with everything they've done, because it's an excellent pinball machine. When you look at it, the light show, it just everything, the asset, everything that we've talked about that makes it an awesome looking pinball machine, that costs money. And for a company to go back in the middle of production and start sending play fields, new play fields, and swapping them out with everything, and working on the shipping, and it's gotta be a logistical nightmare, and it's gotta be a money nightmare as well. And I'm not so sure that a lot of these companies want to take that type of wash because that is a terrible place to be at. So I feel like what we're getting right now is exactly what I predicted, that they're going to give you the type of fixes that they want to give that won't hurt them financially. And I both understand that and don't understand it. I understand it from a business standpoint. It sucks. I hate to see customers treat it like that. But I also understand that you're running an extreme risk of there not being Jersey Jack Pinball in the way that we know it if all of a sudden they're out millions of dollars overnight because they're having to replace a bunch of playfields, because they're having to stop production, because they're not fulfilling orders. This, it's a domino effect that goes down that doesn't just affect just a couple of people. It affects everything on down the line, especially when you decide to address such a big situation as that. But I am curious to see how they do address this because again, just like I told you guys, I had to go through this. And I'll show you guys right now. I honestly, I worked with Jersey Jack for a little while on this. I sent in a support ticket. And the reply I got back was honestly, it was kind of borderline insulting. I'm not gonna lie. And it's not that I threw a fit or anything. It just made me realize this is not gonna get fixed at all. And I'm just, I just decided, hey, I've gotta live with it. It's, it is what it is. And I'll show you guys right now. I'll put it up exactly. And this is how it came out. If you're listening on a podcatcher, just look over on the YouTube channel. And we're about 27, 28 minutes into the video right now. And this picture that I'm showing you guys right now, that's exactly how my game showed up. Guns N' Roses standard, out of box. Zero plays. Hadn't even turned it on yet. 
This is exactly what it looked like out of box. And I'm not even talking about the light issue that I had. We, we all had a good laugh about that. This was directly out of box. The chip play field at the scoop. The clear is obviously coming up a little bit. And it's even all around the scoop. You could tell that there's damage there. And so I sent in a support ticket to Jersey Jack. And I let them know, hey, new inbox pin. Upon unboxing, we noticed damage at the scoop with a piece of wood missing. The playfield's also chipped. I can provide photos on request. Thank you for your time. And so, you know, we had a little bit of back and forth for a couple of weeks. And I ended up accidentally not seeing the email. But as soon as I saw it, I said, hey, apologies for late, late response. Here's the pictures direct out of box. This is one of the pictures I sent them. And the reply I got back, the very first reply I got back three weeks later, three weeks later after I sent in these pictures was... Hello, Travis. What happened to the side protectors that were originally there? Cliffy has made a more robust scoop protector for GNR. If you like, I could get one out to you. Let me know. That was the email. The first sentence to me, what happened to the side protectors that were originally there? There's no apology. No, hey, that sucks. I'm customer service. That should not be happening. Apologies from Jersey Jack. Nothing. It was what happened to the side protectors that were originally there. How, like, what am I supposed to say back to that? Honestly, I just sat there dumb, dumbfounded. Like, this is the customer service. And I didn't even know what to say back to that. Because I clearly stated in the emails that, hey, this was not there as soon as I unboxed it. I mean, what do I say? I, I don't know what else I can say. And so when it wasn't followed up with anything about any apology, about any concern for that, or without any, hey, that should not be happening. It was just a, what happened to them originally there? It made it seem like that they're saying that I took them out myself. <laughs> it just, it didn't make any sense. And it left just, it, it made me so annoyed by that response that I just, I threw my hands up and I just said, F it, I'm not going to get any help on this. And when the issue that they, they gave me or the, the correction on this that they gave me by saying, hey, somebody else outside of us has a more robust scoop protector for it, they could get one out to me. I had already ordered one. Like as soon as I saw that, I was just like, crap, this is gonna make the game unplayable. I don't want this to get any worse. And I ordered one already. I already had it taken care of. I mean, I guess at least they offered that, man. I. It, I'm not going to lie. It chapped my ass. That response, I didn't even re bother responding back. And I don't think, I don't even know if I said anything really publicly too much about this. I might have on Jeff's uh, podcast over at Pinball Profile, but I forget. But yeah, this correspondence is back on April 16th. And I just, obviously it's been a couple of months ago and I just said, screw it. It is what it is at this point. So there you go. I'm part of the team in terms of having playfield issues. And this was direct out of box. This was several thousand dollars buying this game, getting into my game room, unboxing it, and seeing this. Now, my kids are still having fun. I mean, it's pinball, still fun, but still a little bit disappointing. And how that whole saga went out, it, it was very disappointing. I was not happy about that. But that's all I got to say on that. I don't know what else I can really say about the playfield issues. Obviously, people are having it. If you go on Facebook, if you go on Pinside, you'll see it all. I mean, we can keep sounding the alarm all we want. I did so seven plus months ago now. And all the things I said was going to happen, it's happening. So we can just drop the narrative that nobody else is talking about it. Anybody that's wanting email, 
talked about already. It's just beating a dead horse at this point. It really is. It's beating a dead horse and they're either going to fix it or they're not. And us as consumers, we're either going to keep buying or we're not. I know me personally, I was looking seriously at a toy story. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not based on what happened here. I, I just like my kids love the game. It's probably going to stay here because my kids love the game, but I can't buy any more Jersey Jack products based on that interaction, based on what happened out of box and based on what's happening with everybody on the internet right now. That's showing what their play fields are going through. I, I can't justify in my mind paying 7,000, 10,000, 12, five. I can't justify doing that and having a defective product that I know I'm taking a chance of a defective product showing up in terms of how the play field looks. And I don't want to do that. There might be other people that feel fine doing that. And I took a chance with that, knowing damn well what could possibly happen. I took that chance and I got burned. As soon as I opened it, I saw it, I got burned. And the response that I got was, what happened? I, I don't know. You guys, you guys tell me. I don't know what happened. I wasn't on the line that day. I guess maybe, maybe Slash was on the line and he forgot to put the scoop protector on that day. I don't know. I don't know. So anyhow, moving on to another subject, and we're going to wrap this up here pretty soon because we are 30 minutes in. So I'll keep this one nice and short. There's upcoming pinball tournaments here. You guys can catch me on Pin Clash, which is this Saturday on, I think that's the 12th, I believe. Yeah, the 12th. And my game should be somewhere around 2 to 2.30 p.m. Sometime right around there. That's my first round. And you can find me either over on Marv, M-A-R-V on Twitch or IE Pinball on Twitch, who's going to, Carl D'Angelo is going to be hosting the whole thing with Pin Clash 2. It's going to be excellent. I thoroughly look forward to it. I'll have another podcast out later this week, kind of explaining it all. But if this is the one you listen to, that's where I'll be out this Saturday. And I might even be streaming some evenings this week over on Twitch or maybe somewhat on YouTube, even just kind of going over the challenges and studying up a little bit and practicing a little bit because I'm kind of deciding how I want to go about this challenge because I have an enormous uphill battle. My first round opponent is incredibly tough. It's, I feel like it's just a coin flip, whether or not I could even get through that because it's a, he's an incredible player. My second round opponent, former world champion, probably one of the best players in the world, obviously probably one of the best players like period that's ever lived. And then of course, third round, it would be their think Byers or Raymond Davidson. And there's somebody else on that side that I can't think of off the top of my head. There's just incredible players up and down. All 24 players are exceptionally good players. Some of them world-class others names that we might not even heard of, but they are still excellent players. So it's not, there's no easy games at all, at all. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But other than that, I appreciate you guys listening. And I appreciate you guys' time. If you guys have a comment, comment down below on the YouTube, or you guys can send me an email at apinballpodcast at gmail.com. Until then, thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys soon. Later, guys.